0: Hey, Ryan. Hey, Jim. Pull my finger.
1: Damn. Yeah. I my book. Hey. Hey. Nothing's impossible. Hey. make you feel?
0: Baby Diego was stabbed outside a bar in Buenos Aires after refusing to sign an autograph.
1: Witnesses at the scene say that Diego spat in
0: the face of a fan who asked for an autograph. He was killed in the ensuing brawl. Hey
1: everybody, it's Ryan from I Want My Bird Podcast. We're back with our second episode and trying to make it much less rough. So we're going to introduce ourselves first. I'm Ryan, I'm a healthcare worker that loves anonymity so I won't go into too much about what I do. but we uh, I really specifically love film and uh, talking about film, and uh, so does my partner. So that's kind of what this podcast is gonna be about. Um, you know, we can delve into other aspects like politics and music and other forms of media, um, but uh, we're here to uh,
0: entertain you. And hey, everyone, it's Jim um, at Neo Neurotist on Twitter. Um, I am really into politics, film, history whatever um and we're we're really excited to introduce um children of the bird no i'm kidding uh children of men um a 2006 film by alfonso carran also known for um harry potter and the Prisoner of azkaban gravity roma and others what's your favorite alfonso carran film ryan that's not children of men
1: well, I would definitely put Children and Men first, but um, I actually really liked Roma. Um, I I think it got the praise that it deserved, but since it got – it was one of those early, um, you know, uh, best picturey types of movies to get released on a streaming service and not really in movie theaters. Um, but I, I think that it kind of flew under the radar because of that. It didn't really get as much um, – Cross platform press coverage because it was also kind of about, like, um, you know, it wasn't a very American film. It was more, uh, I think it was set in Mexico City, I want to say. Yes. Um,
0: the Roma neighborhood in Mexico I, City.
1: I really, I actually really enjoyed that. There's a couple scenes in there without spoilers that I found were extremely powerful and very well done in that kind of Alfonso Curran uh, one shot take that isn't a one-shot take but kind of is this like long dramatic drawn-out scene um and a a couple of those in Roma I thought were very powerful
0: yeah I I think um I've seen every Afonso Caron film that has been released theatrically um except for Roma which um I have not seen yet it's on my list um I love the period of time that's set in in um was in the 1980s in uh Um, or the um, early
1: nineties, it, it was, yeah, it was set in the early seventies.
0: Right. So I've seen Itu mama tambien, which, um, is a fantastic film. It's really funny and really fucked up. Um, coming of age film set in Mexico. Um, and it's really good. I- I'm not sure if you've seen that one yet, Ryan.
1: I have, I have, I watched it. Um, I remember I sat down and watched it when I was kind of, uh, maybe in high school when I was kind of opening my uh, range of, of movies that I wanted to watch. I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time of viewing. Um, mm-hmm. But I certainly, I, you know, I watched Children of Men when I was probably in middle school or high school. And uh, that kind of keyed me into Alfonso Cuaron's uh, expertise. So I wanted to watch other films by him. But at the time, outside of Harry Potter, a lot of his films were more um I would say inaccessible to kind of uh, younger people or maybe uh, more uh, amateur viewers. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I certainly do. have an appreciation after kind of reflecting on it after a while.
0: I find it pretty fascinating that um, the you know, Warner Brothers would go to Afonso Caron after uh, Chris Columbus, right, for Harry Potter, because Chris Columbus comes from you know Home Alone um, and other children's films and then goes to do Harry Potter, which makes sense, right? Um, yeah. but then they go to Afonso Caron, which the only films that he was very well known for before Harry Potter was e tu, Mama Tambien, Great Expectations, which came out in the nineties and Little Princess, which I've never heard of. Um, and so like, it's a very strange pivot, which I think worked out well because I don't know if you agree with me, but I think Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is the best Harry Potter film as a film maybe not as an adaption um, but as yeah, a film and
1: I think I think Harry Potter films you um, you kind of conflate your uh, nostalgia of each film like personally I actually like watching the fifth and sixth one the best um, for just personal reasons I think but I think on a technical level and uh, uh, filmmaking level the third one is certainly the best right um, you know but I think I think I think in terms of like personal preference i think i think the fifth one is actually probably my favorite which i know gets dumped on no i
0: i actually am i'm fairly pro just, uh, yeah it's it's uh,
1: it's uh, movies like that are just nostalgia you know mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I, I, and i and i know that they're they're good movies but you know in terms of personal preference
0: yeah you know Afonso Caron walked so david yates can run but I, you know, I, I got to say, like, what what are like the main um, things that make a Alfonso Karan movie? A Alfonso Cuarón movie. I I think the number one thing you, you've already mentioned is extremely long takes, um, and some of them are true in camera long takes, and some of them are you know stitched together in creative ways that you can't tell unless you're doing yeah. you know, frame by frame. Um, however, all of his movies, at least since *E* 2 *Mama Tambien*, does this. Um, including Harry Potter, Gravity has probably the longest takes, um, Children of Men and Roma, they all have this um, one element. Um, what are some other elements that, you know, Alfonso Caron leans onto, do you think?
1: Um, well, I mean, certainly to borrow from something that comes to mind, from Children of Men and Gravity, um, you know, I think he certainly likes to conflate uh, history into a lot of his films. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he he uses a lot of Christ-like imagery uh, in Roma. He uses a lot of, um, I wouldn't really call it evolutionary, but uh, kind of just like symbolic gestures of science and history. Um, Certainly in Gravity, like when she steps out on the beach, that always kind of like feels like a very powerful historic moment. Um, And certainly in Children of Men, he borrows a lot of European uh, art history that he literally puts in the movie um, in, yeah. in certain shots. But I think I think having a flair for, for history in the past is uh, something that I see in his movies a lot.
0: One other thing I, I've noticed, I, I'm ripping this from a, um, a well-known YouTube um, video essayist, but something that Alfonso does a lot is he pulls the camera away from the main characters sometimes and he just lingers on things going around, going on around them. Um, This happens a lot in Children of Men, where it just pans away to little scenes happening in the background, where in a typical film, that would just be the background that you see in the, you know, it might be interesting, but it's not the main focus of the scene. But for Alfonso Cuaron, a lot of the time, the things that are happening in the background, that are happening around the main characters, are the focus. They're the things that you want to see.
1: the one that always sticks out to me directly is um, when Clive Owen and um, his gang, or I think he's just with a woman by that point, but they're running through the like war-torn city and uh, it completely unfocuses from them and it shifts over to like a mother holding her like dead son. Yep. And, and, and you know, to tie that into my point, that is Pieta. obviously a direct Pieta yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think he uses those to be, like, extremely powerful. And another one that always just sticks in my mind is the one where the woman, the, the, the foreign woman, but she's, like, an older woman, she's, like, speaking uh, her language, and he just takes, like, 10 seconds to just show how miserable she is inside of that kind of foreign or prison or cage, I guess you could call it's it. It's a concentration camp, right? That's what it really yeah. is.
0: Um, yeah. So we should go through... Children of Men. Like, what is Children of Men? I know it was a book. Um, and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. by P. So D. I
0: James. Think, uh,
1: I think um, to start off, we should say that you know, Children of Men is, Men is a uh, movie that released in 2006, based on a 1992 book. Um, you know, the book the book uh, is a little different from the movie yep. in terms of uh, plot and um, maybe not themes. I mean, emphasis really similar thematically but i think Alfonso Cuarón took a lot of uh good um creative risks in terms of converting like uh the infertility struggles um and also just the general kind of
0: uh you know <laughs> we we use this term
1: all the, all the time modern cinema but like post 9/11 uh emotions and feelings mm-hmm. about um kind of the world uh, the isolationism Um, and nationalism that kind of developed directly after that or else came more to the forefront It's
0: interesting because the main difference between the film and the book the one that is brought up the most is infertility is changed from being um, men being infertile to women being infertile It's subtle, right? It it doesn't change much what, what actually is happening but it makes the pivotal moment in Children of Men more powerful, I think and and we're this is all spoilers. I, I hope you have seen this film, which is now um, uh, seventeen years old. Um, so we're going to spoil the whole thing. Um, we're going to talk yeah, about I every mean, part of the film. Along on <laughs>
1: podcast, we're not going to make a spoiler-free episode.
0: Yeah. So if you want to, um, <laughs> if you want to uh, skip spoilers, uh, wait for the next episode. I apologize. Um, so <laughs> you know the world that that Children of Men inhibits. It, it, it is a uh, near future, right? It's not far in the future. It's not Blade Runner. It is it, it, if it if today is twenty, you know, twenty eighteen or twenty twelve or two thousand six. This world set a, setting is in the twenty fifties, twenty forties. Yeah,
1: and it also and it also feels like um, you know, I, and I think to clarify. We we are going to probably conflate a lot of our opinions and, and philosophies coming from this movie with American politics, but it yeah. is a very uh, British-centered film. But uh, to me, it always feels like a uh, alternate universe where if certain things had gone in certain ways, we could have arrived at this point in time. Maybe not with the uh, pseudo-futuristic tech, but um, certainly the styles of government aren't aren't too, too far from the wants of a good amount of the population, um, even in modern day America, and certainly in post-911 We're going America. to build a wall. It's going to be built.
0: We still got time, Ryan. Um, yeah. <laughs> this alternative future is probably, in my opinion, the closest thing to a dystopia that we can be tripping ourselves into. Um, though it, it is interesting because it's not clear in the beginning you have a quick shot of what happened around the world and it looks like the world collapsed when the infertility um, epidemic began into war, violence, genocide famine um, and only Britain remains Um, you
1: mean a worldwide phenomenon can uh, throw the world into chaos yeah
0: some type of large scale planet wide catastrophe that kills hundreds and hundreds of thousands and, and descends the the um, supply chains and everything into total chaos. I, I have no real life example of that, so I, I think we should just move on. <laughs> <All>
1: right. <laughs> um. Some contagion episode.
0: Yes. So I mean, it, it is fascinating. Britain remains. It, it's very similar to the world of V for Vendetta, which also in that world Britain remains as the only surviving, uh, yeah. uh, stable-ish um, government. And in both cases, I would explicitly say that the government in both of those stories is fascist or some type of flavor of fascist um yeah. very different kind of fascism right um but in,
1: cool
0: brexited? <laughs> yeah they, they, they brexited from the whole planet um <laughs> and, and and in v for indetta you have this like personality driven party driven nationalist party that is uh you know trying to conquer the world Um, They are expansionist. They are um, symbolic. They use symbols of ancient English, Anglo-Saxon imagery, right? And then in this world, in Children of Men, you don't have that, right? You have plain anti-foreign, anti-immigrant, anti-refugee racism. And it's not just against people of color. It's against other Europeans. It's against the Americans. um, It's against everyone else.
1: And it feels like the um, overall attitudes towards those, um, towards those concepts, not by the filmmaker, because obviously he's anti that, but it feels like an accepted norm of that reality. Right. Like Clive Owen is like totally. He's a government bureaucrat. From those things. He works but for the government. He's not, he's not someone that is like going to be loud and proud about, about not feeling that right. way. You know, and really even the whole time, it's not like the it's not like the effort that he makes is to take that system down. No, the effort that he makes is more towards uh, scientific progress as opposed to like social and uh, uh, political awareness, which is interesting because, you know, you put you put people like that in a situation where that's the norm. And um, unless it's directly harming them. What what incentive would he have to right.
0: try and change it? And, and I, it's very clear that Clive Owen's character, whose name is Theo, um, had a more radical past. Um, his wife, played by Julianne Moore, is a radical still when the story begins. is a is a terrorist, revolutionary, whatever you want to call them, um, who are trying just to call them IRA. yeah, they're they're you know IRA, they're Antifa, you know right, like they're whatever you want to call them. But um, Clive was part of that, and then he wasn't. Um, and that, that, that right. the the, mo- the reason why he left that movement was because of the death of his of his child um, right. years ago. And it, so
1: it also feels like um, so so this, I mean this is never explicitly stated, but it's almost like with the loss of his child, it feels like it feels like both he and and the country kind of lost he in gave that up. struggle Surrender. of of trying to not be a fascist isolationist right. state. And once they did lose, it just kind of normalizes. Right. Um, and yes, you're still gonna have those small resistances, but I'm sure in the past, the resistance was much stronger as they had legitimate power. Right. Now really, really, the the film expressly states that they do not have power
0: at right, all. Right. And it seems like most people have accepted three routes or four routes. You have the, the Theo's, the, the Clive Owens of the world, who have just accepted the situation and want to live their life in peace and quiet and don't really care what's happening to other people the immigrants the yeah, refugees casper Cas- and then there's casper who has not exactly given up but has kind of decided to become a recluse and hide away I mean, and it was it. jasper wasn't it jasper jasper yes jasper yeah. his his father um played by our good friend michael kane um my, my, cocaine. my cocaine and he lives in the woods smokes a lot of pot listens to listens to sound music um and you know that's one of the
1: best that's one of the best um moments in this whole thing uh well what's the right word that's one of the best like um commentaries on the evolutions of music and media like this old man listening to like primo. mo some fusion of techno, screamo thing that was right. popular when he were a child.
0: Right, you know? and he's probably funny to Michael Kane really is probably, that. you know, a little bit older than me and Ryan in the timeline, because um, he's probably he was probably in his early 30s in 2000 and you know 19, 2020, um, and now he's in his 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, so yeah so then you have that or you have Julianne Moore's character who is a terrorist radical but increasingly isolated increasingly smaller and smaller amounts of them Um, they're called the fishes the terrorist organization Um, and then you um, yeah so those are kind of like the the paths you have and if you're a rich person you can isolate yourself in a fantasy world Um, but we'll get to that in a second so the the movie opens up and you have Clive Owens Theo watching a uh, news broadcast about the death of the youngest person on the planet. They call him Baby, right? They call um what what is his name? What what do they call him? Uh, uh,
1: the world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person uh, on the planet. Yeah,
0: he he's called Baby it's like Baby Um Juan or Baby Um Joe. Diego Ricardo He dies. He gets stabbed by a fan. Um and everyone baby, is Yeah, G- baby, Diego. baby baby Diego. Yeah. And he gets stabbed by um, someone, I'm not sure who. It's not really, really, you know, leaned I into really goes over that. Yeah. doesn't, but everyone's upset and sad. And um, because it's the longest, youngest person, this person's named baby Diego, but he's what? 19, 18, 18. Yeah. So he's not a baby. Um, so the world has been like this for 18 years. Instantly you establish how long things have been going to shit um he walks out of the cafe where he sees this and a bomb blows up one of the best most shocking moments
1: and then there's well like we talked about unfocusing from the main character and he zooms in all the people that are blown up and missing limbs and walking
0: yeah and it cuts right to the the title card and that that moment you get so much character about what's happening in the world right you get that people are upset about someone dying that you know, it's called Baby Diego, but it's 18, um, the youngest person that is alive. And on top of that, there is like terrorists, and there is discord, and you know, things are not right, things are off. Um, and and Britain stands uh, alone.
1: It sets. Uh, what's What's so great about that intro is that it set the um, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. You know, right. this is not a fun world. Not happy. <laughs> And, you know, it it sets the entire stage of um, what's going on in the world in the matter of, what, two minutes? Right. It's just so good at world building. And I think that's a really, uh, really, really, uh, you know, person at the top of his game in in, in Kiran, where where he he takes two minutes to just completely throw you and immerse you into a universe, which is fascinating.
0: A little note I wanted to uh, say that – Theo, Clive Owens' character, and Julian, Julianne Moore's character's son, died during a flu pandemic. Right. Right. Which is, you know, nothing to do yeah, with real that, life.
1: That puts a lot of more, uh, that, that just gives
0: more um, texture development. I guess, <laughs> then, so. You know things go on and he he decides to uh to to take off early from work because he's upset about uh baby diego which he's not really he's not upset about baby diego he he does not care about baby diego
1: and and the ears are ringing in the office from being right next to a bomb (laughs) attack
0: right he i mean he just wants to go home um and he goes home and there's a commercial on the screen for a suicide pill which seems to be normalized in the society to kill yourself to get yourself out of what's going on um and he gets eventually quickly kidnapped Um, by his ex-wife and a little group of terrorists they interrogate him and then he uh, gets uh, let free right
1: yeah he gets like dumped out of the van yeah he gets extorted so his wife in that scene is offering him um because he has he has some like low level security clearances um she wants him to just do a mission right um he doesn't know what the mission is um he just watched, she, he's like, you have to transport this refugee to uh, somewhere, basically. And, um, and he said no.
0: <laughs> yeah. And at first, the only thing he was asked to do is go um, get a uh, more higher level um, in with one of his friends, who is one of the rich people that have cloistered themselves away. And so he goes to this cloistered in, in, in walled area of London, where his friend and his and his friend's son live and it is full of extravagant pieces of art that seem to have been looted from the rest of the world and saved is the way yeah. it's been described um yeah. and he goes there talks to his friend um his friend's son is uh totally zoned out um totally not with anything taking loads of medicine um psychiatric medicine and just looks at his, at his phone equivalent um and doesn't pay attention and it's fun just bad. like
1: a real fun bad,
0: oh yeah and it's real um the world that the rich people live in doesn't seem that great either in a different way right, it, right. It's, it's cold it's sterile. sterile um you know no no one's having they might be having a better time than everyone else however they're they're still dying right everyone's dying there's no replacement yeah. for any of the people um because no one's being born um and there's some interesting you know comparatives like in the background there is a uh big pig floating above the thames river thames river and um that is a obvious direct reference to um our favorite uh movie uh the wall uh, <laughs> which we'll come back to eventually a hundred years from now there won't be one sad fuck to look at any of this
1: what keeps you going you know what it is still i just don't think about it
0: and then he goes back to the fishes and his ex-wife, and they uh, bring him on this mission, and they introduce him to this girl.
1: Yeah, and and I and, and just pause for a second. I I think that um, you know your point about uh, the rich people also not being happy in a future with no real continuation timeline. Um, it almost kind of um, it kind of it kind of says. Uh, you know, no matter what your rank and status is, um, it doesn't really matter at this point. Right. You you can wait, you can wait it out, but at the end of the day, the world's just dying off. So fuck it.
0: Who cares? There's
1: several different attitudes you could take from that. And I guess if you're in a position of power, people just wouldn't care. And they wouldn't try to do anything. They're just kind of waiting out their time. But I don't know. It, that seems that seems good. I mean, for many reasons, and you know, I think he had Michelangelo in yep. his house or whatever, yep, he yep. <laughs> just like sitting right there. And he had like he had like expensive pets or something too. Well, I don't know why that always.
0: I believe behind him always... is 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 one of um, uh, Salvador Dali's uh, works um, on the Spanish uh, Civil War, which is fascinating. Um, just a bunch yeah. of pieces of art, just kind of scattered about a park that are extremely famous sculptures um so I'm gonna try to push through this this description of what happens Uh, and then they go to bring this girl key to the safe house and they get ambushed in the woods which is a extremely long long take which um does have some secret cuts but you can't see them it's crazy Julian Theo's ex-wife gets killed they've already reconciled to some degree and they escape and they go to the um, safe house after um, one of their accomplices kills the police. So now they're they're also being hunted by the police state government. Um, and the head of this group, um, the fishes, one of the heads is played by uh, Chiuwetel Ejefor, right? Yeah. I hope I said his name correctly. And he's the one that kills the the two police officers. And so they're they're running away from both the people ambushing them and the police. So. They go to the safe house, and Theo makes a discovery.
1: Right, and obviously, if you see this movie, he, he finds out that he is, is pregnant. Yep. Which obviously, in this world, is crazy and mind blowing, and uh, ties a lot of uh, uh, ties a lot of uh, themes together on how this movie is going to kind of play out. And also ties in a little bit of art history with, um, I believe, the painting is the the Venus, right? Uh, a painting right. of Venus.
0: Yep. It also has a lot of... Well, we can get into some of the theological parallels that Afonso is trying to pull with all of this, but we can do that after we finish the full overview of what's going on. And then they quickly find out that the fishes are trying to kill them and kidnap Key, the, the girl, and hold her as hostage for some type of leverage. Not to actually yeah. figure out why she's pregnant, how she got pregnant, when all the women of the world are infertile. Maybe they can figure out a way to reverse it and, and stop this, but the, the fishes at this point have... Gone past radicalism and have gone just to self-preservation, I would say that this is what we're talking about: how people have given up, right? And they've even the radicals yeah, have given up. Even the
1: radicals have given up.
0: Right, and so they escaped back to uh, Theo's father's home, where his mom is catatonic. She was a radical too, and she was tortured by the police state. And yeah, and she's in
1: some sort of like Alzheimer's or severe dementia sort of state.
0: Right. And so he's there with Jasper, with Key, with Miriam, who is Key's um, uh, help. And Miriam um, is a great character. Older friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is a midwife in her past life before the infertility plague. And quickly they are found by the fishes. The fishes, they escape except for Jasper and his wife. And Jasper helps his wife kill herself with the pills that were aforementioned. And then gets murdered by oh, the I fishes.
1: Pull my finger.
0: <laughs> I'll do it. In a very, very horrible scene, I would say. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jasper goes down in a, in a funny way, though. He, he doesn't go out in a, uh, you know, begging way. He knows he's going to die, so he, he fucks with them long enough for his son, Miriam, and Key to escape.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's a really powerful but also funny kind of scene in a good... Uh, I don't know. Kira just so good at stuff like that.
0: He is. And, and you gotta say, exciting. Jasper Jasper is the only surviving revolutionary. <laughs> he he sacrifices himself for his, his son for and for Key, because he, he was talking to Key very, you know, uh intently earlier. And, um, yeah.
1: yeah I think somewhere in that process you learn that Key's entire goal is to get to this, um, basically ship with scientists on it to kind of mm-hmm. see what they can do with her to see, um, You know if 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 she can uh uh help them kind of rediscover how to get people pregnant right and that kind of um and 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 a really good point that i i believe the movie makes at some points is that they don't really even know if it's real right the human project Yep. yeah Yeah, they don't even know if the human project is something that (laughs) that exists right they just kind of have to have the hope to they kind of have to have hope that it does exist which also ties into teams
0: so they eventually meet this cop named sid um, who is a concentration camp worker and he sneaks them into the concentration camp bex hill where they're supposed to meet up with the human project ship the tomorrow and as they go to bex hill you see the horror of what's actually happening in britain
1: i feel terrible about what happened to these iraqi detainees they're human beings they were in u.s custody Our country had an obligation to treat them right. We didn't, and that was wrong. So to those Iraqis who were mistreated by members of the U.S. Armed Forces, I offer my deepest apology. It was inconsistent with the values of our nation.
0: see the, the tortures the executions the imprisonment of immigrants refugees uh non-british people um and yeah yeah
1: very deep very deep holocaust concentration camp themes
0: and the, on. i think the thing that makes alfonso even more powerful is he mixes the the holocaust genocide images with current easily identifiable atrocities that america and great britain were doing in the middle east and this is 2006, yeah. so this is just when the anti-Iraq war stuff was really coming back to the fore um, after almost not existing after the early protests in 2003. And so this is like a really powerful image. They, there is a direct image taken from um, the Abu Ghraib prison uh, disaster, torture, um, and with a person in a hood lifting their arms up. Um, and the whole scene is, is horrible. Uh, Miriam gets taken and presumably murdered. Um, when they're on the bus. Yeah, you don't see her
1: for the rest of the time. I She's
0: believe. dead. She gets a hood put over her head, um, and last yeah. last you see it. people just disappear in this world. Not just because um, no one's born anymore, or they kill themselves, but because the government now just destroys people. Um, they destroy immigrants.
1: Yeah, you would think That's that, kind of rough, yeah. You know, so so now um, it's just Clive Owen and uh, Key uh, alone, trying to get through this world, trying to get through this horrible, basically, minefield of of getting caught. Um, a revolution it, breaks out yeah, <laughs> in the middle a, of it. A, a large, a large-scale battle breaks out in the middle of all of it, and they basically go find um, they basically go find refuge in a, a worn-down apartment building. Right by this point.
0: Yes, and then Key gives birth. And Sid, the police officer slash concentration camp runner, uh, figures out what's actually happening, tries to kill Clive Owen, Theo, and take the baby. And he's killed by Clive Owen.
1: It's a girl. It's a... Key, you've got a girl.
0: They escape to this house that's under assault by the, by the British military. And when, everyone is, when it is revealed that the baby is alive, that there is a baby. That exists, everyone stops fighting. There's a yeah. perfect silence over the scene. There is this music that is just. It is a um, recapitulation capu- of the song Ave Maria
1: um, yeah, as they walk down a, the steps. Um, it is a top cinema moment. Yes. You Which know? is pe- one of those moments that is very, very powerful.
0: And, and Theo and, and Key and the baby walk down the steps and. People kneel down to pray. People touch the baby. And then once they get down to the steps and the soldiers let them go by, the battle resumes and they run. They get to the docks. They take a boat out. And it's discovered that Theo has been shot. And Theo is dying. And as Theo is dying, Key looks up and a boat appears called the Tomorrow. We don't know what the boat is. We don't know if it's from the Human Project. We don't know if it's the government. We don't know anything, but all you're left with is Key, her baby, the dying Theo, in this light, and then the movie ends.
1: It's over now.
0: Um,
1: yeah, right, yeah. Right. The last, the last third of that movie is extremely. I mean, the whole movie is extremely powerful, but the last third of that movie is just a roller coaster of. Uh, of every scene just popping off left and right, right <laughs> you right. know about w- war and hope and and grieving and loss and, and Change. kind of um, make a difference right I guess is the right way to say it
0: <laughs> so, so I'm going to go on a, on a tangent real quick about like a big theme in it, it which is, is religion
1: oh don't grovel
0: one thing I can't stand it's people groveling sorry or at least religious imagery and names and um, parallels um, the big one is this is a christmas movie (laughs) a few people have uh, have mentioned this before this is a film about christmas about a virgin birth right it's she's not you know it's not a virgin birth but it's about someone who could not get pregnant getting pregnant and having a baby miraculously effectively it's never explained how she was actually able to give birth um
1: or get pregnant
0: or get pregnant um her caregiver the person who guides her before theo appears is miriam which is just a, you know, Arabic um, and other language way of saying Mary. The main character Clive, that Clive Owen plays is named Theo, which is Latin for God. You know, it, it's very, it's yeah. kind of on the head, I think a little bit, but it's not the, the terrorist organization that is a main part of this whole story is named the fishes, which has a lot of parallels to Christian imagery of, of fish of being the, you know, the people um, of God. Um, obviously they have uh, turned astray and then the birth of the baby is in this desolate you know not not saying the cave outside the inn but you know in this collapsing house it's not a it's not a uh, a safe on a hygienic dirty mattress on a dirty mattress no, um, yep
1: with no um medical tools available none at all and washes his hands with alcohol to sterilize them which i don't really know about that but Right. You know, and, and I think another, I think another, um, to add on to your religious uh, imagery, there's certainly stark parallels drawn between how religion is manipulated and uh, used to the benefit of of certain groups versus the story of, of actual religion and, and the messaging that is, is kind of, I, I guess, supposed to be interpreted. You know, there, there's uh, a couple scenes in the movie where. Religious factions are kind of seen as these oppressive cults that, you know, go around and start chanting and yelling at people and and kind of drawing drawing more of a parallel to uh, how certain uh, evangelicals act today, certainly Mm -hmm. in parts of America. But he also uses religious imagery to um, convey the the overall messaging of uh, the birth of Christ, not. Being this large, sanctimonious celebration, I guess by 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 a high order society, but rather uh, among the peasants, and certainly those those two themes kind of play on each other of, of of extortion of religion versus kind of the actual symbolism and messaging that that should be used. Right. I, I grew up.
0: I think it's interesting that the Christmas story that you know I grew up in a Christian. Uh, family. I'm not very religious anymore, but I grew up in a Christian family. And you celebrate Christmas. You know, little baby Jesus. It's very cute story. Gets visited by donkeys and and cool kings and shepherds and stuff. And then you forget the same night Herod kills thousands of little babies.
1: <laughs> right. In order to find. In order to, to destroy him, Jesus.
0: Basically. Right. And and so the story of of the birth of Jesus is also a story of like mass murder. Um, which, I don't know, it has some, you know, some parallels to this story. And I, I think the story just kind of is about hope, about faith, about getting through impossible uh, situations. And it is also a, a commentary on what was happening in the world in 2006, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and intentionally or not, preluded a lot of the things that we are dealing with in America now and in the world now with refuge. This is before the refugee crisis. This film came out.
1: Yeah, and and I, I certainly think that even yeah because when was the when was the refugee crisis 2011
0: uh, in Europe 2011 Arab yeah, Spring and
1: that was when that was when the Germans um, took in a lot of them right right
0: took in a lot of refugees from Syria and North Africa and started the the extremely reactionary movements in in Europe like uh, AFD in Germany, the UKIP in Great Britain. It's what led to, in a lot of ways to Brexit led to a national front uh, gaining power some power in france and 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 inadvertently led to donald trump even though america never really took in a lot of refugees and a lot of the countries that that actually had the reactionary movement win like in hungary with orban or poland did not take any like it was very minimal and you know this this film and the story you know, it's not, just, it's not just Alfonso, but it's also, you know, uh, J- P.D. James, who wrote the book, really do, does prelude some of the, you know, what was going to happen in the next decade and a half. I, I wish I could sit down and talk to Alfonso. Everyone, uh, we have Alfonso on the show today. okay. No, i <laughs> But I would love to yeah, talk to him.
1: I, I, I certainly think that it's hard to really use uh, pieces of media as a guide, but it's good to kind of draw emotions and, and feelings and guidance from them. And certainly, over the last couple of years, the uh, anti-immigrant sentiment has been amplifying every year. And and it's it's funny how it parallels very closely to the movie and the book. But I I don't know, you know, it 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 it's a movie about hope in a hopeless world, right? <laughs> which is kind of interesting to think about today with. Maybe even larger themes of climate change and and dealing with uh, having hope while simultaneously knowing that the path that we're on, whether it pertains to climate change or or in America, legislatures um, of a minority of people kind of dictating the flow of the country, um, you know, finding hope in that can be difficult and right. I think I think that Children of Men is is kind of similar in that way.
0: Yeah, I I also think, you know, I I have to read this a little bit, but, you know, Alfonso Cronos from Mexico, and I I cannot not think that when he was making a film like this, he was thinking about the situation of uh, Mexicans trying to come to the United States or or people from Central America going through Mexico to come to the United States to escape horrible violence and torture that a lot of ways the United States had funded. Been created in Central America and South America, and how that aligns with this. I, I'm going back to, to Christian religious imagery. I think the the hooded man raising his arms, tortured both in Abu Ghraib and in this film, does have some elements of looking like uh, Jesus on the cross. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, Jesus I mean, gets tortured. Abu Ghraib, but right. Certainly in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, it, there, there's that, a lot of elements. That
1: is an interesting point. I mean, it's definitely Abu Ghraib. Imagery, you know, and it's it's almost like did people really were people really getting that in 2006?
0: No, I I, I had no so I I took a um very dark uh, deep dive into reading just the Wikipedia page about Grape you know, probably the most le- you know top level thin level of readings and research into it, and when I stopped reading it, I think I couldn't get out of that hole for like four or five days. Yeah. It is worse than you think. And, you know, there's a statement made in the Wikipedia article. And then you're like, is that real? And it doesn't say it is or not. And you're like, oh, they kill children? Like, they, you know, like, stuff like that happens in that, in that Wikipedia article. And I don't think Americans specifically really could comprehend it. That people would just one day turn up and just torture people in the most humiliating and disgusting and, um, uh, I can't even describe it to be honest. It's a snuff film, basically. Like that's what it feels like. You're reading like a fake murder. It's, it sounds like Ted Bundy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of drawing from Abu Ghraib is, is, uh, kind of the concept of, um, <laughs> this word is controversial, but indoctrination where, you get in these systems that are already set up and you just become a part of that system right. and you perpetuate the crimes right and similarly in in the universe of children of men where the people who run it are just a long-standing tradition tradition of those indoctrinations you know it, it's just something that happens unless you kind of not not always happens but these ideas of authoritarianism and and um exclusion and isolationism kind of can just happen, and, and I certainly think that going back maybe a century to the way that Irish immigrants were treated when when they came to America, and now they're kind of in that system in modern times of of, of heavy police enforcement and right. in a lot of different areas of the United States, you know I I think, I think that that kind of <laughs> melting pot that we talk about can be both good and bad.
0: right. And it, it is very, um, you know, it, it is an incredibly prophetic film in some ways, and I definitely recommend it, uh, especially in these times. I You know, it's one of those films that definitely is a Christmas film, and you should watch it during December and think about it. And, and you don't have to be religious to, you know, care about these image, images. These are really powerful images, right, that a lot of people on the planet can relate to, and I think that's why... Quran uses them it's not because he's trying to force you to believe in any of it it's because these images are are short short form they're they're short shortcuts for people to understand what he means sacrifice or hope or faith or whatever feeling right so yeah and the end is very imbi- you know you don't have an end that is like we won theo won he did what he had to do you you don't know you don't know what's about to yeah. happen of Key. i
1: mean and and it's funny to postulate the after like did the government change no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> did uh, you know maybe they could have birth again but is that going to change is it too late is that going to change the government no
0: it's interesting you um know? the final uh words that are said at the end are shanti 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 which is something that that jasper says and whispered throughout the the story. And that's the word in Sanskrit for the end.
1: Yeah. And, and peace. Uh, yeah, and I, I certainly think that it's it's a an advocacy of not being okay with the norm. Because even if Clive Owens character didn't change the whole world, his one actions and, and the actions of everyone that helped him were enough to do a do an act of good that can help the world. And I think Huron in a lot of his movies centers on having some sort of good faith and, and hope and, and and the wanting to change to make things better, I guess.
0: What was his follow up to this?
1: Uh, I think he took it off until Gravity. Because Gravity. Gravity was like twenty thirteen, maybe, and he was gone for a while. Yeah. Was
0: it was it was seven years.
1: Between very Children of Men, movie, but some similar themes about very, life. Very, very more reliant on the visual and almost not art house, but just just the cinematography. I mean, there's great cinematography in Children of Men, and it leads to a lot. But but Gravity was very reliant on things like that, and and honestly, I'm not, <laughs> I don't, I don't think Gravity is like a, a masterpiece movie. But
0: Gravity is um, a great film to see in theaters, which unfortunately yeah, means it's a good ride. Yeah. but. <laughs> Yes.
1: <laughs> it, it's certainly no children of men, but um, Roma is certainly a children of men. Uh, that that movie I could also do another episode on because it is very very it's very good.
0: <laughs> so Ryan, you you're the one that actually introduced me to Children of Men. Um and this was back in 2012 2013, I
1: yeah. I thought you saw it already.
0: Oh, I did not. When I Yeah, when we started college together, we watched a lot of interesting films. I think the big three were Children of Men, in Bruges, which I watched when I was skipping a class with Ryan when he was studying, and then the third film was Twelve Monkeys, right?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys yeah. was the other
0: film, and 12 so Monkeys
1: is very similar to Children of Men, which is funny.
0: They, you know, futures, you know, but yeah, they they all have interesting f- vibes to them. I, In Bruges needs a whole episode on its own for a lot of reasons. Again, a film a yeah, lot about hope. <laughs> both films, you know, both Children of Men is a Christmas film. But Children of Men and in Bruges are films about the apocalypse. Yeah. Or <laughs> films about the end time. Um, well, 12 Monkeys is two. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was our feelings in 2012, 2013, Ryan? What was going on in our brains?
1: Well, if you think about it, Obama just won. Uh-huh. He passed the ACA. It was hopeful um, times, right, at first? We were pretty sure that we were going to get out of the war on terror <laughs> i was still a
0: liberal i still hadn't totally uh <laughs> um, go on insane well, we, I
1: we were gonna invade Syria invade oh yeah <laughs>
0: yep yep it's actually interesting we watched children of men when the refugee crisis really was starting to um become a thing
1: yeah and and by that point
0: and occupy had happened. hadn't happened yet either nope. but occupy had occupy yeah. happened our senior year of high school it's um, funny
1: it's funny how hopeful we were there, it now.
0: but it was still kind of a weird time right like it was still we're at the, like the tail end of the great recession um it was still yeah, affecting and, people and just to
1: clarify this is like 2012 that we're talking yeah. about just to put, yeah. put the vibe on here not 2006 2006 i did
0: not see this movie no but, 2006 um, i was a baby
1: yeah no i i think it's very interesting to compare your um political aspirations i know there's that one meme you like to share of the roller i'll just paraphrase it as a roller coaster of hope where <laughs> yes our roller coaster of hope was pretty high in the 2012 time frame you know two two young kids going to college and their political aspirations seem to have been uh, been starting to be validated and here we are in 2021 and uh we're, we're in a different world right now
0: yeah black world i mean it's funny because I, I can't imagine what 2012 jim thought about this film at first yeah. You know, like, you know, I, I was always very anti Iraq war. My parents were too. My family was always very much like, you know, liberals, and, you know, anti war, anti whatever. But I really don't didn't think I had a really strong conception of fascism or a strong conception of if it was even a thing that existed in 2010, 2011, 2012. This is pre alt right. Right. This is pre any of that. You know, the bad guys with the neoconservatives. The people that were running the Bush yeah, administration at the time.
1: At the time, our alt right was basically the Tea Party. Right,
0: which wasn't clear yet of what it was going to be. I mean, it it yeah. was you know a bunch of people dressed up like you know uh, Revolutionary War uh, yeah, cosplay
1: that, that uh, post Palin kind of people. Right,
0: which you know we should have saw coming, but we didn't. We just laughed at it, right? It was yeah, it was SNL.
1: The ACA was basically the nail in the coffin. <laughs> Got really gutted. Create. To create the uh, the all right that we know today, I mean, my opinion, the ACA was the catapult for that.
0: Yes, the death panels. Um, you know, you know what? And in 2011, we had uh, Joe Lieberman, and in 2021, we have uh, Kirsten Cinema. So, you know, the world goes round. Yeah, and here we are. So I I really think that Children of Men is a must watch for anyone who's interested in film, in allegory, in music, in cinematography, in, you know,
1: if you're cool. Yeah. And and for me, I think, I think Children of Men is for, for people that just appreciate those, those kinds of filmmakers that try to make high art cinema, but also make it extremely accessible to anyone because it is a blockbuster movie with the underpinnings of almost almost an art house film and and in terms of how much it relies on imagery and cinematography a lot
0: and i don't think it was that huge in 2006 it
1: wasn't, by no means by no means was but what i mean was it's filmed in the style of a blockbuster where there's large action set pieces and um you know it's meant to entertain it's not always meant to just be a dreary drama.
0: Actually, know? I got something to say. It actually bombed. It lost yeah. money.
1: Yeah, it uh, it did not do well in the box office, unfortunately. I,
0: I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I can't imagine the, the people's mindset in 2006. You know, this film would have landed perfectly in the past 10 years, yeah. right? Oh. But, past five years. But in 2006 this this movie was not going to land when George Bush was still president. So yeah, children of men, you know, children of the bird. We yes. What will we do next, Ryan? I think we're going to do something Halloween themed for the next episode. Most likely Yeah, maybe Halloweeny. Yeah, Halloweeny. Something something good. Um we have a lot of options for that, so we'll we'll figure them out. We might do a quick poll on the Twitter. And most likely, our upcoming podcasts will be posted mainly on Spotify. We have a limited amount of space we can upload onto SoundCloud. Look out for uh, our next episode on Spotify. This episode will be uploaded onto both Spotify and SoundCloud. So check that out. My name is uh, Jim. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Neonorotist. And uh, please follow me there. And Ryan?
1: I'm Ryan. My Twitter handle is Ryan with an M. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, to get my insane takes and replies when I get angry at work.
0: And you know what? We all get angry at work. And, uh, you know, sometimes we really want our bird and we didn't get it. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to make an uh, electric whip to attack the, um, uh, the Formula One race in Monaco. Um,
1: sometimes you just got to be Justin Hammer.
0: You has got to be Justin Hammer when you're Justin Hammer everything's a nail so on yes. that note uh, this was um, I Want My Bird podcast um, this is Jim and Ryan and we're signing off have a great great October it's done goodbye
1: everyone yes Mr. Frodo I bumped it's my overnight. book hey nothing's impossible hey. As am